Hey, welcome to the Hope City Drip. This is a podcast of Hope City Church here in Clinton, Iowa, and where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. And we know that life can be busy, can be hectic, and so whether you're a stay-at-home mom with littles or you're a shift worker laboring long and weird hours, whatever you do, this podcast is made for you to hear and to digest the mission and the vision of Hope City Church. It's a vision drip. And so we wanted to let you uh, drip it at your own pace. Press pause when you need to, rewind this thing, adjust the speed, whatever you need to do. We hope that this podcast serves to help you live to the glory of Jesus and for the joy of your local community. So my name is Nick Powell. I'm a pastor here at Hope City Church. And this is episode number two of the podcast. Last week's episode, uh, I talked about the mission uh, statement of Hope City Church, the um, purpose statement, uh, which is we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. And so I took that apart, uh, divided that into two and talked about uh, just really what's the biblical basis for that and um, and kind of just went into that a little bit more. What I want to do with this episode is take a specific um, dive into our identity statement. And the reason we have an identity statement is because, um, well, our purpose statement, we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of our local city. That's pretty nebulous. Um, it's a really good, uh, 30,000 feet in the air. Look at why do we exist? Uh, it really helps guide everything else that we do, but, really to get down to like, what are we doing? Uh, what ministry are we actually doing? Uh, in order to get down to the ground, we have to go another layer. And so I find it helpful to articulate who we are as a local church. Like what are some of the distinctive marks uh, that uh, really mark us out as a church? And so our identity statement is that we are a gospel-centered church practicing the way of Jesus. We are a gospel-centered church practicing the way of Jesus. And uh, really, what that means uh, is two parts. I'm going to separate this into two parts. Uh, part number one is gospel-centered. And, and for some people, all of this stuff, I'm just going to be totally honest, all of this stuff can be, seem like branding, um, some sort of sloganeering that we're just trying to like attach ourselves to the most popular movement uh, in order to attract an audience. And that's not at all what we're doing. Uh, we believe that trends are not always uh, separated from meaning. Uh, it is trendy to call yourself a gospel-centered church. But, you know, being gospel-centered in and of itself is not something new. Uh, being gospel-centered goes all the way back to the Reformation. Uh, the Reformation, if you're not familiar, the Protestant Reformation was this great revolution uh, in the church uh, around the 1500s. Martin Luther was at the center of this thing. And really what it was in terms of theology was uh, the Catholic Church uh, for a lot of people, uh, the Catholic Church had made salvation into this big Rube Goldberg uh, machine, and it was hard to really discern what it is uh, that 
what, what is salvation? What is justification? What is sanctification? And so for a lot of common folks, I mean, they didn't even have the Bible in their own language in a lot of places. And so for a lot of folks to really uh, understand what is the essence of Christianity or what is the essence of Christian theology, it was very difficult for a lot of people. And so Martin Luther uh, really uh, influenced and started this massive powder keg uh, of a revolution that recovered the bare essentials of the gospel. And I don't mean bare essentials as the, minim- the minimal uh, words we can say or the, the, the shallowest we can wade in the theological pool. I mean, like, if you're going to tell somebody about Jesus, about Christianity, what are you going to tell them? What's the most important thing you could say if you had to give a, a five, you know, a five minute, here is what Christianity is, what would you say? Or even, even back that down into something smaller. If you had to give an elevator pitch for who Jesus is and what is salvation, what would you say? And uh, the great reformation elevator pitch was by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's, that's really, uh, it was a recovery of the gospel. And, but this doesn't just go back to the Reformation. Uh, this goes back to Jesus. And so uh, our local church is a gospel-centered church because Jesus, I believe, was gospel-centered. And I think the Bible itself is gospel-centered. Um, we believe that it's one unified story testifying to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so uh, by saying that we're gospel-centered means that the theological organizing principle of this church is the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. So I want to just turn to Mark Uh, The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 14. This is the beginning. uh, This this is the beginning of the story of Mark where he uh, invites um, his followers. uh, And right before he uh, invites his followers to come follow him, uh, Mark says that, uh, let's see, 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So Jesus came in proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So gospel is uh, good news. That's essentially what it means, good news. So there's something that's happening here in the story that Jesus thinks is good news. And so then we see uh, the story of Acts, this thing, Jesus does some incredible things in his life and ministry. And the most important thing that he does is he dies on a cross. And, and so we see his death on the cross paid the penalty for sin. And we, we get this revolution um, for the people living at that time. The, the Jews living at that time, they saw uh, the ones that followed him, that stuck around him, uh, saw their lives completely transformed. And they, they knew that something new was happening. There was this new dawn uh, of a new age that Jesus was ushering in. And all things were pivoting around this moment, Jesus being on the cross. And in the book of Acts, after his death and resurrection, you get this story of... Uh, these these ordinary fishermen that had been following Jesus now have th- a story to tell. 
What Jesus did on earth changes everything. And so they uh, then go out and spread this story to the rest of their region. And then that eventually spreads to the rest of the world. And we get, you know, where we are today, which is much of the world hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we see that in the book of Acts, the, the organizing principle uh, what they told people was the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel. And so the gospel was the main message in which they went and proclaimed to all the peoples that they came into contact with. That was the thing. So, you know, uh, the disciples could have done other things. They could have said, you know, um, Jesus, he taught us that like to be a good human is to be really nice to people and, and to be caring. Um, you know, Jesus did teach that treat others the way that you want to be treated, like that golden rule type mentality. Um, that's not, a, that's not at the bottom of what they did. Peter didn't come into these places. Paul didn't go into these places and essentially say, be nice. Um, that wouldn't be wrong of them to say, but that's not the most important thing that they could say. And so they, they focused on what was most important, which was the gospel. And so I want us to go also to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, Paul essentially confesses his gospel-centered theology. He says, um, writing to the church in Corinth, he says, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And then he says the, the abbreviated gospel, which is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church." But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And any of them, though it was not I, oop, I, so I'm losing my place here. Um, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So uh, apparently, um, in the mind of Paul, he came to the church and he reminded them of what was first importance, which is the gospel. And not only does he say that the gospel saves people, not only does he say, this is what you tell the lost and the people that don't believe in Jesus, those unchristians out there, um, he, he doesn't just say, that's what you tell them to save them. He says that this is what you must continually remind yourselves of. It's what you must continually revisit and rehearse and celebrate nonstop, constantly, because you have the propensity to forget. We have the tendency to move on from the gospel and focus on things that we think are more um, 
significant or more meaty or more deep or whatever. And what Paul is reminding the church is that there's nothing deeper than the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus has um, far reaching nuances to address everything in your life. And so this is the thing that we want you to come back to and move out from. And that's why I, I am calling it our theological organizing principle. And so at Hope City Church, uh, how this works itself out practically is because we are a gospel-centered church, um, from the pulpit, when we launch our Sunday morning gatherings, uh, we are going to preach from the Bible, and they are going to be uh, sermons that uh, not only give... Um, a basic lip service to the gospel, but focus on a robust preaching of the finished work of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. Like that, that is our central message. And so we're going to be able to find that in any text, whether we're preaching through the gospel of Mark, whether we're preaching through one of Paul's letters, um, whether we're preaching through an Old Testament prophet uh, or Genesis or whatever. I mean, it all points to Jesus and what he did on the cross to forgive sinners. I mean, that's like the heartbeat of Christian theology. And so we're going to focus on that as the main thing. Now, uh, there's a there's a second part to our uh, identity statement, which is that we are a church that practices the way of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus. And uh, as to some of you, that's going to sound really cool and helpful. Some of you, that's going to sound kind of esoteric and new agey. And I don't mean it to sound uh, new agey. Uh, in fact, the words are very simple. Practicing means exactly what you think it means. It means putting into practice something. Practicing uh, means that we're not only someone who thinks about things and thinks about theories, but we are practitioners. So uh, a surgeon is not just going to learn in med school all of the theories and head knowledge of how to cut people open and to fix um, problems in the body. He's actually going to be a practitioner uh, of being a surgeon. He's going to put into practice his vocation, his craft. And uh, so we as Christians don't want to just believe uh, right things about God in our heads, but we want to put them into practice. So that's practicing the way. So we're doing something. Um, and then the way, that phrase, the way, practicing the way. Um, the way of Jesus. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, what's very interesting about that is that the early followers of Christ were referred to as followers of the way. And uh, what that tells us is that there was something uh, distinct about those people. There was something that marked them out as, uh, they noticed something that other folks uh, that they lived next to, their neighbors, their coworkers, uh, they noticed there was something different and they, they lived a peculiar way. And, um, what we see in the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus, it makes sense because Jesus, when he initiates everything, when he in, uh, has that first conversation with his disciples, he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what he's doing there is that he's tapping into the language that they would have been familiar with, with being fishermen, and he's saying, I'm going to re-imagine uh, your vocation, 
You think that you're just common fishermen with no purpose in life except to catch fish. But I'm going to show you that you have a bigger purpose in life. And so fishers of men, they are going to be invited into Jesus's great way of living that is going to be a testimony to the world of a better way and more specifically um, to be in the presence of God, which gives us life. And so uh, the baptism thing that's so central to Christianity, I mean, many of you probably know um, baptism is like kind of one of the main things, right? Uh, it's for a lot of people, the phrase used for baptism is that it's the initiation of the Christian life. And so in the Christian story in the New Testament, we see that when people embrace the gospel, when they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they are, uh, then they are invited into baptism. So they repent of their sins, they turn from their former ways of life, and then they start following Jesus. And when they follow Jesus, what happens is that they are baptized, which marks out uh, that they've been washed by the Holy Spirit and they now have the presence of God. And so one of the awkward things about Christianity is that sometimes we forget that we actually live um, a spiritual way of life, is that we don't just think that we read good ideas, and we don't just think we meet with one another as human beings and eat food and, and sit through sermons and you know do good things for other people. We actually believe that the Holy Ghost uh, inhabits our bodies and animates our joy and speaks to us and makes our whole life filled with a new uh, vibrance and a new power. So there's a personal presence that is with the church. And when we see the church grow and spread in the New Testament, we see that there's two main marks that mark out the local church at that time. Uh, mark number one is what I already talked about, that they had a gospel. They had good news to tell the people that needed to hear it. They had good news to tell the world. This Jesus, God came and met us and God died on the cross so that we could be in relationship with him. So they were going to tell that. They, their intention was they're going to tell that to everybody because it was such good news. And so they had this gospel, a robust gospel. They also had the spirit of God. So you see, um, let's see, uh, Acts 320. I think this is a really great uh, this is a really great illustration of what was going on uh, in the early church. Acts 3:20 says, uh, "Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out." So this is uh, this is Peter telling uh, the crowd that heard the gospel what they must do to be saved. So repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from where? The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. And so not only are we as a church saying, hey, we have right theology, or hey, you should look at what the Bible says about this. We are also saying that, hey, stick close to the presence of God because he's here. He's in this place. He's in when we gather in our homes, when we share meals with one another, wherever the church is gathered together, 
the presence of God is there. And we're gonna stick close to the power and the presence of God because we believe that that's where life is found. And so Jesus invites us to follow him and the entire Christian way of life is a journey of transformation. So we read this in Romans 8, 29, um, that God uh, calls us, I'm gonna turn there. By the way, uh, I hurt my arm. I think I've said this. I said this on the first podcast. I can't use my right hand, so I'm flipping around the Bible with my left hand, and I keep keep flipping. Excuses, excuses. Here we go. So Romans 8 uh, says... For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what I want us to see is that the the way that Paul phrases this is that those who are Christians following the way of Jesus are being conformed to the image of Jesus. They're being transformed. Uh, And Paul, in other places, in another place in Corinthians, he says that we are being, uh, we are beholding, as we are beholding God, we are being transformed into one degree of glory to another. And so the, uh, the journey of following Jesus in our lives is a journey of transformation. So as you are in the presence of God, you are being transformed into being more like Jesus. And that, that's great news because we all, if we all have a healthy understanding of ourselves, know that we are our own worst enemy. And so we were lost and dead in our sins, rebellious, living our own way, and it wasn't working. And so Jesus invites us to live a different way and we become more like him, less like who we were and more like Jesus day by day. Now, the question is, how does that happen? And so for many people, uh, many Christians, and this I'm going to lump myself into this category. When I was a young believer, uh, like really early on, I thought, you know, to become more like Jesus, uh, the, the theological word for this is sanctification. To become more like Jesus, I have to think hard enough about theology. I have to think hard enough about scripture. And that's part of it. That's part of the equation. But the uh, peculiar thing that you see happen in the church in the New Testament is that Jesus invites these people on uh, a journey where they're living a full embodied life. So you see uh, Acts 2. This is just a classic passage. Um, Acts Acts 2 here. Okay, it says, and they devote, this is the Christian community, the followers of the way, um, here in Acts 2. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
And what that is, is a snapshot. Uh, It's a snapshot into the early church practicing the way of Jesus. And so uh, what I'm saying is, is that we want to be a church. Our aim is to be a church that sticks close to the presence of God because that's where we think real renewal happens. Real change happens. And in Clinton, Iowa here, there are so many good ideas about how to revitalize this once great town um, and, and, and take you know, old buildings and repurpose them into something cool and you know, buying old homes and, and, and wanting to see them return to you know, their former glory. Uh, there's all sorts of ideas uh, on how to do something and renew something. But as Christians, we believe that we have the Spirit of God present in our community. And so when we uh, put into practice our faith, when we follow the way of Jesus, and we do things like prioritize gathering together as the local church, when we do things like share a meal together, uh, or do what historically the church has called take the sacraments, when we take the bread and drink the cup, God promises to be present with us. And so by putting into practice, we are living a spiritual way of life. We are practicing spirituality. Um, one, I mean, this is kind of monastic language, but one of, there's a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And, and so the idea is that um, in our embodied life, how God made us. He made us with flesh and blood and with desires and with stomachs, with brains, all of it, with affections. Uh, God desires us to be um, people who follow him with everything we got, not just our brains, but with everything. And so we believe that by putting into practice the way of Jesus, uh, we are actually practicing true spirituality. And that through the practices, um, such as, like I said, meeting together, taking communion, those types of things, uh, studying scripture, those things, when we put those into practice, God promises to be with us and to transform us. And so uh, we are committed as a local church to these two main things, gospel and spirit, gospel and spirit. So our identity as um, being a gospel-centered church that practices the way of Jesus. Uh, that's that's what we aim to uh, become, right? Uh, all things are a journey of you know here here's who we are. Um, it's a journey of becoming, putting into practice who we are, and so that's really it. I mean, Hope City Church uh, uh, is this is our aim is to stick close to the presence of Jesus because we believe that's where life and renewal is found. And so in this episode, I really, I just really wanted this to be a resource to go back to, um, for folks down the road or folks that, you know, you're, it's COVID-19 season and you're not really sure how to try meeting new people. Um, you're not really sure, like, how do I have a robust conversation with, uh, the, you know, this pastor of this new local church, I'm looking for a new local church, but I just, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know how to do this thing. I've never been to church. I don't know what this God thing's all about. Uh, I want this to be for you. Uh, this 
I'm going to be doing these series of podcasts where I want to pop the hood on our vision, uh, values, and strategy of what we're doing as a local church so that you have a better idea um, what it is that you're getting into, uh, what it is that you're thinking through. And and if nothing else, I mean, if you're listening to this and you already have a good, biblical, Jesus-loving church, then just pray for us. Um, as you hear these things, just pray that God would move through the, the church as a, as a whole here in Clinton and that the lost would be reached, uh, the prodigal sons would find a way home to be with God the Father. Uh, just, just let this encourage you um, to know that you know. Let's let's uh, lock arms. There's other Jesus churches in this city, and so rejoice in the fact that there are Christ followers taking the gospel to the lost in Clinton. So, uh, really, that's it. Whether you know whether you go to Hope City as part of the core team or whether you're just trying this out, uh, I really hope that this podcast serves uh, to help you live more to the glory of Jesus and for the joy of this community.